You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio, and I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. We will spend the next hour talking about land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at americaswebradio.com. You can find out more about me at my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Visit our website. Um, Leave us a message and um, check out some of our free resources. Uh, Also, you can look for continuing education courses on on our website, so check it out. Okay, uh, sorry I wasn't with you last week. Uh, some uh, situations here uh, out of my control. Uh, can't always make it live and don't always know that um, I'm not going to make it live. So my apologies. Um, we will, uh, we're going to pick up on what we were talking about, and that's a, a new practice model for, for surveying in the United States of America. Uh, we, we've been uh, not... not not going slow on purpose, but we've been sort of slow walking through this program, uh, discussing some of the problems with the current practice model of surveying. We're not going to uh, recap all of that because I've already probably, I think I've done that twice already. Uh, there are, there just know this, there are significant problems with the current practice of surveying. Um, there are some new, unique aspects of practicing surveying as a profession relative to other professions uh, such as uh, doctors, lawyers, um, and, and other professionals um, that uh, sort of create a unique environment for the serving profession, which, which is a problem. And uh, the, the, not to reiterate too much, but the basic, um, uh, the, the basic problem is that the, um, all professions are primarily policed through two, uh, primarily through two uh, vehicles, and that one is um, is board action or aberrant practice. Uh, the board uh, actually does something about it. Uh, the medical board, um, it's it's not good practice to amputate the wrong leg, and if you do, there will be consequences. Um, and um, not only that, but litigation. <clears throat> That is also a policing policing mechanism for most professions. That doesn't work very well with the land surveying profession as well. Uh, not only is there very little board action uh, to correct aberrant behavior, there is um, there's uh, relatively speaking, there's very little litigation uh, to correct aberrant behavior, uh, aberrant practice. Uh, the surveyor who causes the boundary dispute generally. Uh, skates. Uh, there's no consequences, and, and that's that's because the the landowners end up suing each other. Uh, one of them wants to get uh, get back what <clears throat> they think they've lost, and the other one wants to gain what the surveyor told uh, told them belongs to them. So that uh, that's the basic nutshell. And all of the reasons that this is allowed to happen, we've gone over in the last in the last couple of weeks. Um, and then last time uh, I was on, not last week, but the week before, I spent basically the entire program talking about this uh, uh, this um, terrible case, uh, one of the worst uh, ever 
conceived by our court systems. The case of uh, um, of Rivers versus Lazio, which is the birth uh, is the uh, is the genesis, I guess we'll say it that way, the genesis of the first surveyor concept. Uh, which is, again, uh, survey mythology. That's one of our problems with the practice of surveying. It's practiced sometimes as a belief system or through pure mythology. And this first surveyor concept basically said that uh, when a line is drawn on a GLO map, such as uh, the line, uh, um, the lines, the east-west line between the opposing quarter section corners and the north-south line between the opposing quarter section corners on the north and south boundaries. When that line is actually drawn on the map, when that when the the, the process of drawing that line on a map actually puts it on the ground, that's in essence what that decision came up with. And so that became the catalyst for the concept of uh, the first surveyor. The first surveyor to the field is is will be recognized as an original surveyor. Uh, as long as that first surveyor either A, followed proper procedure, ran the straight lines between the opposing quarter section corners, or B, got close enough. Even sometimes if that, if not close enough, that's the, uh, first, that, uh, original surveyor to the center quarter is deemed a merely a first surveyor because, uh, he or she did not follow proper procedure and therefore is a bum and can be kicked out. So this created that third type of surveyor. And as we've discussed on many occasions, you're either an original surveyor, the, the two fundamental principles of surveying are you're an original surveyor laying out brand new lines and brand new places for a common grantor, that's an original surveyor, that's a math and measurement task, or you're a retracement surveyor whose only job is to find where the boundary lines have become established on the ground, that's retracement survey. And this, uh, this first surveyor concept provides cover uh, for being able to throw out the, that first surveyor, who's actually an original surveyor, uh, throw that uh, the results of that survey out <coughs> in favor of correct procedure, uh, and, and the whole the, the the biggest problem with the first surveyor concept is it ignores the most important people involved in, in boundary establishment, and that's the landowners. What about them? What about them? They're nowhere. They're nowhere. Uh, they they are not uh, a consideration to the first surveyor concept. There there's no consideration as to what the landowners did as a result of that supposed first surveyor who comes to the field. And that's that's just a, that's a that is a, a monumental mistake. That is that that is a, a lack of understanding on the part of the surveyors, especially the ones who espouse the first surveyor concept as to how boundary lines actually become established on the ground. They don't understand the fundamental issue of, of establishment of boundaries. They actually, these surveyors actually think that they establish something, which they don't. That's just another belief, uh, belief system for the surveyors. It's just another um, belief. It's, it's surveyor mythology. A sur- surveyors establish nothing. Even an original surveyor doesn't establish anything relative to boundaries. Maybe with this small exception, they'll put them. They're the ones who put the monuments in the ground. That the landowners then come in, accept, uh, accept ACCEPT, 
accept those monuments, glom on to those monuments, and the lines represented by those monuments, the lines in between the monuments, go into reliance on those lines, and their property rights attach. And that's how boundary lines become established. The surveyor, in the best light, is just a tool. The surveyor in the best light is just a tool. There's nothing significant about an original surveyor or a retracing surveyor when it comes to the establishment of boundaries on the ground. That happens through landowner activity and inactivity. Uh, So that's just a fundamental um, uh, the, the idea that surveyors establish anything, which we're going to get into that today, actually, when we get into the definition of surveying, which is one of the things that needs to be corrected for a new practice model. All right, so last time we ended with uh, the Bureau of Land Management refudiating the uh, um, the the concept, the first uh, the first uh, surveyor concept, in that it doesn't actually follow. Uh, federal law uh, and what federal law has to say about uh, the original surveys of the great public domain, also referred to as the public land survey system. So, uh, and who's the BLM? What what do they have to? What what importance do they play in this role? Well, <clears throat> that judge, that uh, appellate court, Florida appellate court judge, who was making the decision in Rivers versus Lazio, was attempting to follow federal law on how sections are to be broken down and the 2009 manual of course makes it uh, abundantly clear that um, that decision in Rivers versus Lazio does not follow federal law. The Bureau of Land Management uh, a a bureau of the uh, Interior Department of the United States is the official interpreter of federal land law, just like the IRS is the official interpreter of federal tax law. <clears throat> so what they say basically goes. And uh, the BLM manual, as we talked about last time, uh, repudiates um, th- this concept that um, the lines, when the lines were drawn on the GLO plat, that they were actually run on the ground. That's that's ridiculous. It doesn't pass the common sense test, which a lot of these surveying principles, so-called principles that we uh, that surveyors operate on uh, under, don't don't pass the common sense test. Uh, they are uh, what that would be uh, what we would refer to as arbitrary rules of construction. Arbitrary rules of construction. They have no basis. There's no there's no foundation underneath them. And that is one of the current problems with the practice of surveying. Uh, a lot of what the surveyors do, ha, do are doing in the field um, d- does not ha, has no has no foundation in reality. Has no foundation in reality. So we uh, uh, this program is broken into three parts uh, that we're going over the um, a new practice model. Uh, how to affect a paradigm shift in the practice of land surveying in the United States of America. Um, the first part was talking about what's wrong with the uh, what's wrong with the current practice of surveying. Uh, the middle part is uh, going over some 
fundamental principles of retracement surveying. That's what surveyors are doing these days. The vast majority of surveying work relative to property boundaries is retracement, not original surveys. So uh, we're going over a few issues here, like the first surveyor concept that surveyors may not know about, may may not even uh, realize it exists. Uh, They don't know why they're uh, throwing out uh, a previous survey. They, they, <clears throat> they don't maybe know that it's called the first survey or concept. Others do. They know it very well. And so uh, we're going to pick up there. Uh, one of the other things that sur- surveyors need to understand about retracement is what the standard of care is <clears throat> and what the standard of care is uh, for professional practices. And... Um, the standard of care for professional practitioners is universal. Basically, it's universal in the United States of America at this day and age. There could be some special legislation somewhere that may affect one particular um, profession or, or another, but by and large, the common law standard of care is uh, the reasonably prudent practitioner standard of care. What the reasonably prudent practitioner in like or similar circumstances would do, <clears throat> and that's uh, that's the standard of care. And uh, we're probably coming up on a break here. Okay, we're going to break now. We'll be back after this. Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register and donate to support our cause. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quick Stakes today. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, this is Jeff Lucas, your host, and we're talking about um, um, we're about, talking about the practice of surveying this morning. Okay, um, so 
so we were uh, we just got into the standard of care, and the standard of care is uh, in, under the common law in the United States of America is universal. It applies to all professions. What the reasonably prudent practitioner would do under like or similar circumstances. Uh, there could be some other legal standards out there. Uh, certainly there are. Um, but the common law standard of care is the reasonably prudent practitioner. Now, why is that important? Well, <clears throat> uh, for a long, long time, and as, as I was sort of, quote, unquote, growing up in the land surveying profession, uh, we fashioned ourselves as expert measures. Uh, expert measures. Uh, the surveying profession is imbued with this idea of measurement and calculations. Uh, we uh, we're expert measures. Um, we 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 love our calculations. We love our measurements. Uh, and one of the reasons we're a uh, uh, measure centric profession is because we can check the measurements. We can check them. Um, how do you check your a judgment decision? How do you take it? There's no mathematical formula for checking a judgment decision. And um, rendering a well-reasoned opinion on the only question the surveyor has, the location question, where is the property line located on the ground, is a judgment call. It's a judgment decision. How can you check? You, there's no mathematical check. Now, if we're, if we're just out there um, just uh, uh, slapping math on the ground, driving new pins into the ground where they've never existed before because the title documents tell us to do that. The computer makes us do it. Uh, the measurements tell us it is so. And then checking your closure doesn't mean you have an accurate survey. matter of fact, you can accurately survey the wrong uh, You can precisely survey the wrong piece of property. doesn't mean your survey is accurate. But for years and years and decades and decades, uh, the the um, um, the criterion for having an accurate survey is do you have a good closure? <clears throat> but again, you can precisely measure the wrong piece of property and have a totally inaccurate survey. If the focus of the survey is to is to find uh, where the property lines have become established on the ground, where are the property lines in question? That's the focus of a survey. That's the only reason to have surveyors or to do surveys is to identify the property line between White Acre and Black Acre. That's the only reason. If, if, we're, doing, if we're not doing that, we're not needed. GIS can uh, break the section down and slap the math on paper a lot, a lot uh, cheaper than the surveyors can go out and do it in dirt space. So uh, that is the focus of the survey. And if that's the focus of the survey, uh, I can precisely measure the wrong piece of property, and therefore my survey is totally inaccurate. Survey is totally inaccurate. Um, so, um, measure a measurement ratio, like uh, you know, uh, my my closure on my on my traverse around the boundary, which tied in the property corners as well, are the ones that I think are the property corners or the potential property corners. Remember, a monument and a property corner are not necessarily the same thing. In a perfect world, they would be, but that's why you're supposed to be hiring a surveyor to figure out, does that monument represent the corner or not? Uh, so uh, you run your closure, um, and the typical closure ratios, uh, you run a closure on your traverse, typical closure ratios ratios are something like, what you're, you're off, your closure is one foot per 15,000 feet of, uh, of traverse line, or 
uh, one in 10,000 or one in 5,000. And those uh, uh, supposed accuracy ratios, accuracy of the measurements, those supposed accuracy ratios are still out there today. So we, that's why surveyors love their measurements. They can check them, and they can get a ratio to figure out how, how precise they actually were able to measure. But the terminology is wrong. Those, the, the, it's the precision of the measurements versus the accuracy of the survey. Those are two different things. And, and a lot of surveyors still haven't been able to wrap their brain around that idea. And here's another problem. If, uh, if I can't check the accuracy of my survey, survey by how precisely I was able to measure, uh, then how do I know that I have a good judgment? And that's, or I've come to the cor- correct conclusion. There, there isn't a mathematical formula, but there is a litmus test. Okay, there is a test that you can conduct. And the test starts with the standard of care. Um, what the other reasonably prudent practitioners would do in like or similar circumstances. Doing what? Well, there is an evidence criterion. Remember, retracement surveying is an evidentiary exercise. There, but there is an uh, there is an evidence criterion, and that is best available evidence. So you got to put these two things together. <clears throat> what the reasonably prudent practitioner in like or similar circumstances would do, gathering the best available evidence as to the location of the boundary lines in question weighing that evidence and then rendering a well-reasoned opinion based on the evidence and all of these are factual questions not legal questions rendering a well-reasoned opinion on the only question open to the surveyor and that's the location question where is the property located on the ground a boundary determination is a two-part question there's a legal question what is the property then that's not the surveyor's question then there's the factual question. Given all of these, all of this evidence that's been gathered and weighed, given all of this, given the fact of what of, of what the property is, that's the deed's going to tell you what the property is. Where is it located? That's the only question. And then one final one final step. Then if the surveyor can explain on the face of the map. The boundary location doctrine that was employed in reaching this decision, and it could be multiple um, boundary location doctrines. It could be the doctrine of monuments. It could be the common grantor doctrine. It could be uh, uh, acquiescence into those monuments that are on the ground. Um, any number, or maybe one or two, or or, uh, or maybe your entire opinion is based on one doctrine of loca- one lo- uh, location doctrine. That's fine. If you can explain then, after you've um, after you've operated at or above the standard of care, your evidence criterion, best available evidence that the reasonably prudent practitioner would gather in like or similar circumstances, evaluating that evidence, weighing that evidence, and then rendering a well-reasoned opinion. And um, but don't forget um, uh, talking to the landowners because they are the most important people in the equation. And, of course, the first surveyor concept uh, completely ignores the landowners, okay? The uh, original surveyor, um, the concept of the original surveyor or the principle of original surveys, um, the, the, only, the only landowner involved is the common grantor. So there, there is no landowner 
considerations, uh, other landowner considerations, unless you're just talking about the exterior boundary of the subdivision. But in retracement surveying, it's totally different. The landowners are perhaps the, the most important people in the equation. And you certainly, <clears throat> and where where there's confusion, ambiguity, and 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 conflict, uh, you as a retracement surveyor needs to know exactly what those landowners know or what they think they know uh, as part of the evidence gathering um, uh, uh, situation. All right. Uh, let's flip on down through here and see what else we want to talk about. Monuments are the physical manista- manifestation of the true intent of the grantor and the grantee. We've talked about presumptions. We've talked about inferences. A presumption is a legal fact. An inference is um, is a mind process, a mental process that must pass a, two, uh, a two-part uh, test. It must um, it must be reasonable, reasonable inference that passes the common sense test. It must make common sense. <clears throat> as far as the uh, boundary establishment doctrines, they're all undergirded. They all sit on the bedrock of the legal presumption, of some sort of legal presumption. And the monu- monuments, the legal presumption is when the monuments are in the ground at the time of the conveyance, they, uh, they were recognized by uh, by the land the grantor and the grantee the grant this is a presumption this is in court cases I, I've, I don't I don't make this stuff up uh, the legal presumption is when the monuments are in the ground at the time of the conveyance the grantor and the grantee walked the bounds saw the monuments accepted them ACC EPTED not EXCEPTED accepted them. And then the convey, then the title documents are written up in an attempt to describe what's on the ground, which, by the way, is imbued with ambiguity to a, to a lesser or greater extent. They attempt to describe in the title documents what they agreed to on the ground. That's the presumption under the law. That's why monuments have the superiority that they do. They are they are presumed to be the physical manifestation of the true intent not the title documents the monuments on the ground they are imbued with the original intent and uh, so that that's why they are always monuments are always at the top of the food chain when it comes to the so-called priority of calls priority of conflicting calls um Natural monuments are superior to uh, to artificial monuments. Monuments set by surveyors are um, superior to calls for adjoiners. Sometimes calls for adjoiners uh, in North Carolina under North Carolina law, the call for an adjoiner is a, a type of a natural monument. So, uh, natural monuments, maybe the call for the adjoiner, uh, the called for monuments, um, maybe other states, you got the adjoiner called out there and then bearings distances and acreage or it could be distances bearings and acreages the 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 rules these rules i'm talking about are are pretty much universal across all jurisdictions the application not necessarily 
also, and that is uh, one of the. Uh, this is one of the areas where the application application isn't exactly the same across jurisdiction uh, to, and to jurisdiction. But all of uh, all jurisdictions. When I talk about jurisdictions, of course, I'm talking about our states. Uh, all jurisdictions um, um, recognize. Uh, the priority of calls when it comes to the conveyance of property and interpreting deeds. Uh, they, they all recognize them, <clears throat> and that's because <clears throat> the priority of calls are simply rules of construction that have been rules for construing deeds, construing deeds, that's generally called rules of construction. These are court-made rules that have been around for centuries. They were handed down to us from uh, the British common law, English common law. They've been around for centuries. Uh, uh, all the courts and all jurisdictions use them because they're common sense rules that are based on presumptions, legal presumptions under the law. Legal presumptions. Um, don't want to get uh, too far ahead of myself here. I know we have a break coming up uh, in a minute or so, uh, maybe less. Uh, let's see what David has uh, has for us here. We're we about to go to break, David. <coughs> okay. Um, is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I would also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And I want to add to uh, what Rocky was saying. We also have some of his infamous sweatshirts or uh, jerseys from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, Lee and... Uh, Greenwood, Lee Greenwood has also donated a couple of signed guitars as well as we have guitars from other, other stars and just, uh, I've forgotten how many different things they've gotten from all over the country and, um, it's going to be a great event January the 28th at noon, Warriors for Hope. And both organizations do a wonderful job and we ask you to tune in. Warriors for Hope. So, with that being said, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and we'll go back to Jeff and his show right now. Uh, We are uh, talking about um, a new practice model. Um, I've been... um, 
sort of uh, going through this, uh, getting going down a few rabbit trails, maybe going a little bit slow here, but we're we're, we're uh, going over a, a, just a few fundamental principles of retracement surveying that you may or may not be aware of. Uh, we brought a few things up that hopefully you weren't aware of, and we made you aware of. Um, all right, so we were just talking about. Uh, monuments and the rules of construction. So we're going to move on uh, from that, <coughs> and we'll talk about um, that uh, retracement surveying. And I, uh, I know you've heard me say this before. It's uh, largely an ev- evidentiary exercise. Uh, it's not a measurement task. It's a it's a task of gathering and evaluating the best available evidence that the reasonably prudent practitioner would gather and evaluate under like or similar circumstances, weighing that evidence, and then rendering a well-reasoned opinion. And then if you can explain the opinion um, on, on the face of your survey, survey, what fundamental principle did you use? What did you use to resolve this issue here? In a lot of cases, that there won't be much of an issue. Uh, my uh, anecdotal evidence of... 40 years in, in surveying practice, uh, primarily working on boundary issues, I would say, um, although I uh, you know, have a background in, um, especially as a party chief, in construction staking and um, topographic surveys, uh, obviously, um, and, and other types of surveys. I, I, the, my focus has been, especially over the last couple of decades, on, on boundary uh, on boundary issues, uh, mainly because that was just <clears throat> that was just such a gray area in my mind. What am I? What am I supposed to be doing here? Because see, I was being taught the mythology. I was being taught the uh, the belief system, and and I couldn't find. Hey, where where is it written? Where is it written that I have to break a section down every time I go into a section? That that never passed the common sense test for me. Although I did it because. That's what I'm supposed to do. As a matter of fact, they test, they tested, they tested you on that. How to break down a section? They actually tested you on that. They're begging you. See, here's another difference between uh, uh, surveying boards and uh, medical boards. Medical boards do not uh, test uh, doctors on amputating the wrong leg. They, they try to prevent that. Uh, they do not test doctors on uh, on, uh, on on how to uh, kill a patient during an open heart surgery. That's not what they test them on. The land surveying profession tests us on amputating the. Can you actually amputate the wrong leg in this case here? And let's send everybody to court. There, <clears throat> there's there's only uh, there's only uh, one. Absolute reason for breaking down a section in the United States of America. One, one where it's absolutely a must. You got to do it, and that is if you're working for the federal government and you are doing a, let's just say, independent resurvey. And part of that it required uh, the surveyor to uh, break the uh, the section into its aliquot parts for the federal government. That is the only that that is the only place in the United States of America where it's absolutely required to to break the section down, at least according to 
let's 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 preface that. Let's just say according to the BLM's interpretation of federal law. There are some states out there that have uh, enacted their own laws. So I'm I'm, prefers, I'm prefacing this, okay? <clears throat> Based on the BLM the BLM's interpretation of federal law, there's one, only one application in which the section gets broken down into its aliquot parts by running uh, between the opposing quarter section corners and then the opposing 16th corners down to the 16 lots and that is if you're working for the federal government or you are a BLM employee and you've been asked to go out there and subdivide uh, a section that's owned by the federal government in, there's no other circumstance in the United States of America to do that. Now, uh, there can be, uh, and because of this, okay, because of this, because the the, uh, the BLM manual itself says uh, it has no authority over local and private surveyors. It has no authority over local and private surveyors. So, again, I, I recognize some misguided surveyors in some misguided states uh, make it mandatory uh, for, uh, in, in some cases, or seemingly mandatory for uh, surveyors to follow the instructions of the manual. But uh, other than that, um, there is there's there's no re- there's no reason to actually know how to break a section down. Yet, uh, at least when I was when I took the fundamentals exam, uh, they tested us on. You had to know how to do it. For what purpose? For amputating the wrong leg, they, they tested us on how to amputate the wrong leg, meaning, meaning coming up with incorrect results in the surveying context, coming up with incorrect results that cost uh, landowners um, substantial amounts of money uh, and/or grief and/or harm, harm to their property rights, etc. So, <clears throat> there, there's no reason to do that. Um, the resolution of any uh, let's so moving on. There's the resolution of any boundary problem is a two-part question. What is the boundary, and where is it located? And this was an absolute epiphany for me in my surveying career post law school. I had heard this term before. Uh, the legal question is what is the boundary. The factual question is where is it located on the earth. Um, just quoting from uh, Wally versus uh, Emory, uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Uh, 1960. The question of what is a boundary line is a matter of law, but the question of where the boundary line or corner is located uh, is actually located is a question of fact. Um, I've heard I heard that I heard that statement before, and and I of course read that statement, but it actually never dawned on me. It actually never. Uh, I, I, I was never. It, it took years. It, it took going to law school. It took. Um, Contemplating this uh, for this from to actually wrap my brain around this concept, <clears throat> it's two different questions. What the boundary is is the, is the legal question, and that's generally found in the title documents. It's Lot Nine of Garfunkel Subdivision, and then if you dig deeper into those title documents, because it calls for uh, 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 Garfunkel Subdivision, you've got to go to the plat, the recorded plat of. Uh, of Garfunkel subdivision, and then there's all this geometry on that plat, and so um, 
one rule of construction for construing uh, conveyances of land is that uh, whatever, um, if the deed calls for a map or a plat, then whatever is in that map or plat or on that map or plat is just as if written into the deed. That's a, another just basic rule of construction. So then you got you have all of that geometry. Well, that's the title document. That's what the property is. The, there's a whole other question out here. Given what it is, where is it located? And that's the surveyor's question. And that's where so many, so many people, so many actually respected people in the profession, they, they still don't understand it. Just pick evidence and procedures off your off your bookshelf and go look at page two. Go look at page two of, of the is the seventh edition or sixth edition. I don't I don't know which one. Just go. It used to be on page one. Just go look at page two, and you will see the confusion. Uh, that these are legal matters not to be attempted by the surveyor. When in fact we've talked, we've I've shown you, or we've talked about it ad nauseum on this program. There is only one legal question uh, in these boundary dispute cases, or legal fight, and that would be an adverse possession fight. That's a legal fight. Every one of these other questions are factual questions. If you're willing to accept that the title documents say what they say. That lot nine is lot nine. Just accept it. Move on. Uh, There's a whole other question. Where is it located? That doesn't mean that the geometry from the plant has to be force-fit on the ground. As a matter of fact, the vast vast majority of the court cases, I'm going to say 95, I'm going to say 98% of the time. When these boundary dispute cases go to court, the act, actually, the opposite happens. The title documents aren't force fit on the ground. Uh, 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 the, uh, the yeah, the title documents aren't forced, uh, aren't enforced on the ground. What happens? What's on the ground? What's on the ground? The title documents have to conform to what's on the ground. Generally speaking, ninety. Uh, 95% of the time when these things go to there are bad decisions Rivers versus Lazio the worst in the history of American property law perhaps maybe there's another one somewhere but the title documents have to conform to what's on the ground and that's because of the location document that's because of the location document so yeah these are hard concepts to, to wrap one's brain around what the, the the what the title documents say isn't necessarily what has to happen on the ground. No, matter of fact, in most cases, that's not what happens when these disputes go to go to court. But then the, you bring in a whole other uh, a whole other uh, list of issues. But the judge has to understand this concept. A lot of judges do, but it, it took. <clears throat> I'm just being honest with you. It took uh, uh, from uh, from licensure in 1984. Until sometime around 2004, so it took me 20 years to wrap my brain around this concept. It's, there's title documents do not have, actually the title documents always have a level of uncertainty to it, and they are construed more liberally than uh, contracts because um, the, the 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 act of describing a piece of property that exists on the on in dirt space. In paper space is imbued with ambiguity. David, you about ready? I'm ready. Okay, one minute. Uh, one minute to break, and uh, so, um, all right. 
so uh, it's a two-part question. That was a that was a tough tough thing uh, to wrap my brain around. So um, when we uh, get back from the break, uh, we'll, we'll we will pick up on what we've been talking about and try to wrap things up to a certain extent. All right, after this, quick states. Does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick stakes, your back friendly stake. And a program reminder at one o'clock we have Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and we're introducing a little bit more to that show. Uh, we're also going to be talking about veterans' benefits, and there's so many benefits that veterans just don't know about that we decided to we're going to devote a whole show to that, or shows, I should say, in the future. So, 1 o'clock, veterans, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register and donate to support our cause. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today you're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening okay folks welcome back <clears throat> This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, we got about 13 minutes to go here. Um, I wanted to hit a few more points. We're, we're I'm at point seven on these uh, retracement issues that you may or may know, not know about. And this is another big one because there's a lot of confusion out there uh, in the surveying community about this. And uh, I'm calling this my point number eight on retracement surveying, answering the location question, which is the surveyor's question, is essentially a determination of the li- of, of ownership limits. Think about that for a second. There, I have read countless articles written by um, uh, written by well-known um, speakers. Um, a well-known uh, columnist in the surveying publication world uh, that said that surveyors do not determine limits of ownership. Good evidence procedure, uh, page two. Surveyors do not determine the limits of ownership. Uh, and that is just absolutely not true. First of all, answering the location question is essentially a determination of ownership limits. When I talk about ownership limits, limits is a location issue. 
title documents do not determine limits of anything. All the title document does is uh, is uh, purport that uh, a certain uh, grantor granted to a certain grantee uh, a piece of paper, lot nine, uh, the title to lot nine of Garfunkel subdivision. Um, that the that uh, that uh, conveyance, that deed of conveyance, uh, the title document, as we say. Uh, and the description in there do not do not determine limits of, of, of ownership. They they just don't. Limits is a location question. It's not a it's not a legal question. So the the, the mere just talking about ownership limits, okay, and the confusion uh, with that one issue is just like uh, it's it's well it's it's a it's a mon it's a monumental problem. Uh, in the land surveying profession, limits is a location is part of the location question. Title is the legal question, but the limits of that title is a factual question. That's the difference between title and location. They are not necessarily the same. <clears throat> Let's put it into the, into the words of some uh, of some courts. Uh, Wisconsin Court of Appeals, 2008, Gilbert versus Geiger. A survey of a description does not determine title to land. No, it's not a title question. Surveying is not a title question. There is a title question there. What is the property? Just like the stop sign analogy. We've done the stop sign analogy. What is it? It's a stop sign. That's a legal question. That's what it is. The factual question is, where do you stop? Or where did you stop? But in the boundary context, where do you stop? That's a limit. Where do you stop or where did you stop is a limits question. It's not a legal question at all. And and this is just such a fundamental issue that is so misunderstood, it's almost ridiculous. It's almost laughable. But uh, the, the problem is, the reason why it's not laughable is because surveyors, the vast majority, maybe the vast majority of surveyors don't understand this concept. And therefore, with their licenses in hand, they're going out and amputating the wrong leg. And there's no consequences. Um, Gilbert versus Geiger. A survey of description does not determine title to land but seeks to find and identify the land embraced within the description, the location of the property. The location, that's, all the survey does is answer the location question, not the title question. A survey of a description does not determine title to land. No. It seeks to find and identify the land embraced within the description. Let's go to Alabama law, Alabama Supreme Court, 1899. This is an old, old concept. The mere matter of locating boundary lines, the mere matter of locating boundary the mere matter of locating where to stop at that stop sign does not involve whether it's a stop sign or not. You hear me? 
The mere matter of locating uh, uh, the boundary of uh, lands, however, does not involve the title. It relates only to the limit to which the land covered by the title extends. The limit. That's a factual location question. Why don't we just erase what's written in evidence and procedures, okay? That's probably the biggest sore thumb loser uh, that I can... There's other things in evidence and procedures that's, that's good, okay? There are. But that's on page two. And that is a big stumbling block for the uh, for the uninitiated. The, those who and that's a lot of surveyors are uninitiated. They don't understand property law. They don't even understand the difference between title and location. If you're a, a surveyor who says we do not locate the ownership limits, then you're sadly misinformed, and you're probably. Uh, committing negligence every time you go to the field. You're amputating the wrong leg. But you're able to do it because there are no consequences. The mere matter of locating boundaries, the boundary of lands, does not involve title. It relates only to the limit to which the land covered by the title extends. It's lot nine, Garfunkel subdivision. Bad. I've got to, yeah, I've got to know that that's what it is. I got to know that it's a stop sign that I'm supposed to stop. I'm, now, I, I, the licensed driver, you're supposed to apply the law to the facts. The law is you come to a stop sign, you're supposed to stop. Now you apply the law. That's what survey. That's almost the perfect analogy for the retracement boundary surveyor. It's lot nine, Garfunkel subdivision. As you're going, now, now your function is to apply the law to the facts on the ground and determine or render a well-reasoned opinion on where the boundary lines have become established on the ground. Number nine. <clears throat> it doesn't look like we're going to Obviously, we're not going to uh, finish this up today. But anyway, number nine, number nine, the boundary location doctrines of the surveyor's toolkit for rendering a well-reasoned opinion on uh, the location of the property lines. Okay, I've been talking about these. Um, this is probably an exhaustive list. I think we've gone over this before, maybe in a, a earlier uh, earlier discussions, how to make a boundary determination that will win in court probably going to wrap up on this. The boundary location doctrines. What are they? I've been talking about them. Uh, they, and, um, so let's, this is, in my opinion, this is an exhaustive list. Are they universally applied across all jurisdictions? No. Are they even talk, are all of these talked about in all jurisdictions? No. But if you go to uh, all of the jurisdictions, all 50 states, and you look at uh, case law, Boundary law is primarily case law. Uh, it's, it's, it's heavily imbued with court decisions. Uh, this is probably an exhaustive, an exhaustive list. The first doctrine, right at the top, adverse possession. That is, that is, but that is both a title doctrine and a location doctrine. Um, 
there's a title in an adverse possession question. There's a question about there's a legal question about the title to the property. That is a title fight. That is a legal fight. An adverse possession case is a legal fight. But after the fight is over and determining and and uh, depending on who wins the one claiming adverse possession or the one defending against an adverse possession action it will settle the location issue as well it will so it's a two that is the only one that is a that is the only location doctrine that is both a title question and a location question um, next one uh, down just going down the list common grantor doctrine that is purely location. When the common grantor uh, causes a subdivision to be made and the pro- and the properties uh, laid out on the ground and the monuments set, uh, the uh... okay. Hey, folks, we got to wrap it up. Uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.